From sea to shining sea, America's favorite uncle, Bumpkin Bob. Hey y'all, this is Bumpkin Bob coming to you from the Bumpkin Media Studios in beautiful Silo, Springs, Arkansas. It is a beautiful March day here in Silo. We got blue skies this afternoon, probably up close to 70 degrees if I had to guess. Just great. I hope y'all are out enjoying it. I've been out cruising a little bit around and went and seen my grandson. Always got to do that. Hey, today what we're going to talk about, we're going to do a little bitching. And at the same time, I want to give some advice to potential building owners. Uh, Man, this has to do a lot with change orders and just the amount and the frequency. Uh, Had a awful week this week. The Thursday and Friday were just terrible. Uh, Some change orders basically fell through the cracks. And these weren't just your run-of-the-mill change orders. They were pretty obvious on the finish of the building. And it's something that as the electrical contractor we're gonna have to take care of we have no choice uh it's been my experience and through the years as far as change orders goes that the more change orders that come out the more of them's gonna fall through the cracks i mean as owners you have to realize and, and let me let me also state also architects. Some of the things that were changed weren't initiated by the owners. They were initiated by the architects that realized at some point during the project they had put something in the wrong place or put something where it wasn't going to work. But the more change orders there are, no matter who it is that initiates them, the, the more that's going to fall through the cracks. And now, I, me personally, and I don't have statistics to back this up, just from experience, I would say that at least 3% of change orders fall through the cracks and don't get done, at least not when they should have been done. Uh, and then as that goes up, I think that percentage actually increases. So, I mean... You get up to some of these buildings where you end up with, you know, a hundred plus change orders. I think that percentage goes up to over 5% probably. Uh, You know, you have to stop and think as a building owner or an architect, you are dealing with human beings. Your first line, the person that's actually, you're telling these change orders to as the owner is is probably the project manager for the general contractor. Most project managers are not just dealing with one project at a time. They're probably juggling three or four. And you're talking about somebody that is juggling three or four multi-million dollar contracts or projects. And as an owner or an architect, you have to take as much responsibility in following up on those change orders as anybody. Uh, another thing with owners, you know, 
if, if you're going to be one of these owners that's going to walk through your building every week or every two weeks or every month and make changes, you have to be prepared for the fact that at the end of that job, some of those aren't going to get done. Now, if you've been charged for those change orders, you've got two avenues to correct that. You can either make them do it on the back end or have them refund your money, uh, which brings up another point. If there's a change order and you don't see a price for that change order in a, a pretty, I don't know what you'd say, pretty quick, after you've made it, then you need to follow up with your project manager that you're dealing with because chances are if they haven't come back to you with a price, it's either because them, the general superintendent on the job, or that subcontractor you're needing that price from has let that fall through the cracks. So if you don't get a price to approve real quick, your change order is probably not going to get done. So you need to be checking on that. That's the same for an engineer. I mean, if an engineer or an architect sends a change order to a project manager, there's going to be a price. You know, either you're changing something that you feel like you should get a deduct for, or when you change something, it's going to cost you money. You need to follow up on that. Do not take the, the stance that, well, if they hadn't got back to me, they're doing it for free because they ain't doing it for free. I can guarantee you that. So if you haven't heard back from somebody, you need to follow up. Uh, another thing with change orders. And, and people, we've talked about this before on this show, uh, is, is getting things done in a timely manner. It's like everybody wants things yesterday. And it's like, when you do a change order, I don't care how insignificant it is. If you're the owner, or even better, if the owner has hired an owner's rep to actually follow up on this stuff. If you're an owner or an owner's rep, every time you issue a change order, minimum, and I'm talking about bare minimum, you need to add a quarter of a day to your finish schedule. And I know people are going to say, well, how do you do that? Well, it's like with every four change orders, the little ones, you need to add a full day to your completion date. Now, that's not to be said. If you've got big change orders, then you need to change, you know, you'll need to add three days or a week or maybe even a month, depending on what that change order is, to the end of your finish schedule. I guarantee you, the more you change stuff, it's not going to get done on the day you wanted it done on. And and here, let me debunk another myth that people have. Well, if we don't put a finish date and hold subcontractors' feet to the fire, they'll drag it out forever. No, they're not. The longer they drag a job out, the less money they make. In commercial jobs, I don't know about residential. I'm not dealing with residential. I don't deal with residential. And if you don't have a signed contract, then you're screwed pretty much because, yeah, those guys are probably dragging it out, trying to get more money out of you. 
you've got a signed contractor with a signed contract with a general contractor, they have signed contractors with their subs. They're not going to pay their sub a dime more than what's in that in that contract. So the longer he drags it out and the more labor it takes him to get it done, the more labor he assigns to that job, the less money he makes. So that bullshit about, well, subcontractors will drag it out forever. No, they won't. And by mere happenstance, if you have one that's dragging it out, it ain't because a mo it is a money situation. It's probably because he ain't got no money and he's about to go under and you probably need to be looking for somebody else to take that contract over. Because ones that are making money are not dragging contracts out. They're trying to get them done so that they, because the quicker they get them done, the more money they make. So I, to me, that is a dead excuse. I, I, I wouldn't even, if I was a project manager, I wouldn't even listen to that from an owner. Well, you're dragging it out because you, you're just dragging it out. Well, no, because if I drag it out, I don't make as much money. So they're trying to get it done as quickly as possible, but every time you walk in there and you move a can light six inches or you change countertop colors or you change the direction the flooring's running, it's going to add time to your contract. You might as well just get over it. Uh, another thing that I've noticed with with every job that comes down the pike right now, uh, apparently there is not enough red iron suppliers. So you have to get in line for your steel, for your manufacturing. And it's like, it never fails. The steel is always late. So you might as well build in time for your steel because, you know, when you're sitting down and you're doing your schedule and you put, okay, our steel's going to arrive September 1st and it's going to be up by October 15th. You've given it 45 days or whatever, depending on how big the project is. And then that steel doesn't get there till October 15th. You got to add 45 days into the end of that job. That's just how it is. You know, if you had that scheduled in there, there was a reason because you knew it was going to take that and you know from a safety standard, nobody else needs to be on that slab while they're swinging steel. That's just how it is. So you might as well add that to the end of the job. Or you need to get structural stuff done early enough that you can get that steel ordered in a timely manner so that it's there when you need it. Uh, again, my opinion, you know, they come in, you you know, Bill down here is going to build him a new building. He wants 20,000 square foot of office space. And he takes it to, a, to an architect and says, you know, well, I want it done by, you know, exactly a year from today. Your architects and engineers are eating up your construction time. You're eating up construction time by dicking around them, not being able to get a hold of you to sit down and approve prints. And then, you know, all this time you've ate up and then you're jumping down subcontractors' throats because they're holding your job up. And it's like, no, the job got held up before it ever got done, ever got started good. 
So you need to take everything into consideration. Uh, there again, to, to re, reinforce the points I'm trying to make, number one, as an owner, if, if you're not familiar with construction, then you need to hire you a rep to be with you when you meet with that project manager or that super job superintendent or their estimator because they're not your representative. They're, you're hiring them to do a job. So you need to have somebody that's strictly looking out for your interest because they're looking out for the interest of the general contractor. You need to get that through your brain right off the bat and follow up on your change orders. If you want something changed and they don't come back to you with a price, they're not just going to do it for free. It fell through the cracks. Architects and engineers, if you change something and you've redone, well, we redid uh, on, the, on your print schedule. If you look at page M3, which is mechanical, we've redid that whole page. Don't just send out an email and tell everybody. Print off those pages and take it to them. Put them in their hands and make sure they have it. I need this priced. We're not doing it this way. We're doing it this way. Get a price for it. And don't assume till you get that price and it's put in the contract, don't assume that that change order is going to get done because it probably ain't. Uh, and just remember that a lot of times these subcontractors can't afford to do shit for free and they're not going to. And so don't wait till the end of the job. Well, it's your fault. No, it's not. You know, and get into the pissing match. Make sure you cover all this on the front end. Uh, that being said, if you're building a multi-million dollar building and you're looking for a good person to be your rep and deal with the project managers, oh, Bumpkin Bob would like that job. I'm going to tell you right now, this is my honest opinion too. If you're looking for a rep, go find somebody that that has electrical experience because I am sorry, you know, I think that person needs some kind of mechanical experience. And uh, as far as I know, nobody's ever been killed from hot or cold air blowing on them from the heat and air system or the toilet backing up from the plumbing, but they have been killed from electricity in a building. So that's the person you need to hire as your rep so that they're looking out for your interest and can tell you when they walk through what's right and what's not. Because I guarantee you, if an electrician's been on the job for a while, they've noticed bar joists not welded down. They've noticed bridging not welded between bar joists. They've noticed roof leaks. They've noticed studs not screwed together. And I'm talking about metal studs because that's what we're talking about. They, they're, they've noticed ceiling tile and ceiling grid. And then they can also look at the electrical system and tell you if it's right or wrong and what's industry standard and what's not. So that's just the old bumpkins experience they're talking to you. Uh, man, there is so many things we can go into and we're 
probably going to cover this from time to time because it seems like every time we cover it, I'll go a few months and it'll rear its ugly head again with something. Uh, just to let everybody kind of know what started this, what got me thinking about this today. Uh, apparently, six months ago when the building we're working on right now was basically all they'd put up was the exterior walls. They were trying to get a roof on it, the exterior sheathing on, the roof on, and get it dried in so that the mason could start, and then we'd have a dry place to work. I ran the conduit for the outside lights. Well, you know, electricians are going to call them the wall packs on the outside of the building for security lighting and decorative lighting, like the sidewalks up at, walks up at night. Well, there was no place on the prints that showed a height, so I had to send in, my boss had to send in an RFI, which is a request for information. Architects looked at it, came back with 12 feet, but they decided that the lights were in the wrong place and they did a whole new print that nobody got. We get to the end of the job, boom, they want the outside lights moved because now everybody realizes they're in the wrong place. And at some point, when we first bid the job, and these are all the lights on the front facade of the building actually too. When we did the job, they decided that all the front waiting areas needed to be hard lids instead of laying ceiling like the rest of the building. So now it's three times as hard because we got sheetrock lids that we can't get above. And I know all you residential guys are gonna be going, well, they're framed in, you can just crawl around on the studs. Well. In commercial jobs, they don't frame in the hard lids. They hang T-grid that looks something like ceiling grid and then screw the sheetrock to that and you can't climb above that shit. So anyway, I've had my rant, I pissed and moaned, I carried on, and I hope that there's somebody out there that's fixing to start a new commercial building that's going to take this to heart and realize that this is how construction actually works. You know, you sign that contract, you've locked yourself into a price, but every time you make a change, there's going to be an additional charge for that. And whether you like it or not, you know, and you, you know, the general contractor can tell you all day long, well, that won't add no time. That won't, it adds time. Believe me, I've seen it, it happens. So you might as well just in your brain, you know, if your finish date is July 1st, every time you do four change orders, you need to add a minimum of a full day onto your finish date. And bigger change orders need to be even more than that. That's just for the little bitty ones. You know, and people are probably sitting out there thinking I'm crazy as hell, but I'm telling you the truth, people. I'm going to leave you on a little note just so that you know where I'm coming from. Uh, and I read this someplace. I don't, it was on like a little, what do you call those? A uh, little sign to inspire you or whatever. But it's the truth. When you start getting together, talking about building your building, the one person that says it's going to cost the most and take the longest time is probably the expert, and that's who you need to listen to. So until next Saturday, this is Bumpkin Bob, and we're signing out. We're out of here.
Have a good week, y'all. Hey, y'all, it's Bumpkin Bob here. If you enjoy these podcasts, you'll enjoy our monthly episode even more. They're released first on bumpkinbob.com, so head over and join us today. And if you like us putting out this podcast, be sure to help by subscribing to the Bumpkin Bob Show. And wherever you listen, leave us a review. Five stars are good, one stars are not welcome. And this is Bumpkin Bob, and we're out.